And so that's why authority comes with wisdom. Yeah. Because if you don't have all the information, it's okay to be quiet. It's okay to stand back. That also is authority. So yeah. I think we need to really walk in this year with the authority of understanding who Christ is, what he has called us to, and that we can be unified even if we disagree. But that does not mean that we disrespect or we dehumanize. Hi, friend. Welcome to another episode of the 8,000 Promises podcast. I'm your host, A.D. Tilford. I'm a Jesus-led, trauma-informed educator, leader, and writer serving God in my local community and church. If you believe, like I do, that this world needs safe spaces to talk about God, faith in action, and complex topics so that transformative change can take place, this podcast is for you. You'll hear from a range of guests, experts in fields of psychology and faith, and everyday friends with meaningful stories to tell. In this series, you'll hear deep conversation and supplemental writings from people who are amplifying voices, partnering with God in ways that help others know that God sees and hears every person, including you. So when you're ready, lean in and embrace what God has for you today. Let's go. Well, hey, it's Haiti, and I have such a treat of an episode for you today with my friend Priscelis Perot Dominguez. She and I are going to talk about what it means and looks like to live as healthy and holy followers of Jesus, what it might look like to live out justice, and we even unexpectedly tackle the trickiness of this election year and the authority we hold to be responsive rather than reactive when we encounter disagreement. And you know we are all going to be encountering disagreement this year. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to share a few of the opportunities you have to keep supporting this podcast. First of all, thank you to those of you who have recently started following the show. It means so much to me. If you aren't an active follower, you can do that by clicking on the three little dots in whichever platform you listen and making sure you hit follow. You can also leave a review or give a five-star rating. And what happens is that the platform you listen on suggests the episode to other people. And so with the concept of amplifying voices, just think one little click, five little stars, you can help share this episode and the incredible voice of my friend Pri with someone who might really need to hear what she has to say. With that said, another opportunity you have is to financially support the podcast. Right now, I have to thank TIL Construction for financial sponsorship of the podcast. You guys, I love making this podcast and I really am hopeful that it makes a difference one conversation at a time. And Even though Spotify does provide a free platform to get started, the more I've learned about podcasting and the more I dive into pursuing writing and speaking, the more of a reality it is that it costs me money to do these things, which at this point, Sam and I are committed. This is what we're doing for now as best we can. This is what we feel God is inviting me to do while I care for my kids and And it's a way for me to use my voice and share stories that really matter in the world. But with that said, if you feel inspired 
to help me keep going with the podcast or writing full time because at some point that's going to be a decision I might need to make. You can support that work by contributing to the podcast as a financial supporter. You can even contribute 99 cents a month. So just think about it if you feel led. If not, please just enjoy this and know that it's it's meant for you and and your health and your holiness as Pri is going to talk about in the interview today. The link to support the podcast is in the show notes if you are interested in doing that. Okay, thanks for listening to that little uh, ask there. My guest today is really an inspiring person to me. I first heard her speak at the She Speaks conference that I attended last July. And one of the key points that Pre gave us in the conference was that there's a need for you to be direct and uncompromised when using your voice to share your message. She said, the world does not need compromised voices. I've been thinking about that for the last seven months, like really. And you know what? Some of the changes that you might have seen me make in the revamp of this podcast or on my Instagram page or even in my weekly newsletter are really stemming from how my heart is moving with that thought that I need to be uncompromised when I'm sharing what I feel like I'm supposed to share, which you know what, it's just, it it feels kind of intimidating sometimes because you're not sure how people are gonna respond when you are being authentically you, but Pre is authentically her. And it's really a pleasure to have gotten to have spend a morning talking with her about all that she's offering the world right now. So without further ado, let me tell you more about Priscilla's. Priscilis Perot Dominguez, who prefers to be called Pri, is the founder, CEO of Full Collective and host of the annual Sewers Summit Conference in New York City. She is a coach, author, advocate, podcaster, creator, Bible teacher, entrepreneur, and is pursuing a master's in biblical and theological studies at Denver Seminary. Priscilis is a Black Latina living in New York City with her husband and son. May the conversation you hear today bring you delight and insight as much as it did for me. Here we go. Well, hi, Pri. Thanks so much for coming on the 8,000 Promises podcast. I am so excited to interview you today. Yay, thank you for having me. I'm really, truly honored and grateful to be here. Well, that's, I don't know, that feels humbling to me. I've been watching all that you're working on and really enjoying your newsletters and especially your lists that you send. I really love them. Yes. They bring me joy. Um, But I am uh, curious, I want to just jump right into our our session today because I know that our listeners are going to learn so much from you. Oh my gosh, I forgot to ask. Um, do you want to say a prayer real quick? Yeah. Okay. To bless this time together? Yeah, totally. You want me to, you want me to do it? Would you? I, I would oh, love for you to pray for love us. It. Yeah, of yeah. course. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for every single listener that is listening, God, uh, for every single ear and heart that will digest the things that we have to share. Holy Spirit, 
I ask that you lead us in what we share, that it would be truth, uh, that it would be your truth that you communicate and that you want us to live by, Lord. Um, and we just thank you for that we get to live in such a time as this to be able to have access, um, to be able to connect on Zoom and, and record things from across the country and be able to reach people that we will perhaps never meet. We thank you that you will bless it and you move through it, um, even though you know, we don't know how it's reaching people or who it's reaching. And so we just bless this time and we give you glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. I've been trying to start this series with a question that's kind of ridiculous or uh, lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, although that has like not necessarily always worked out. We, I've had some heavy answers. So uh, however you choose to answer is fine. <laughs> But if I, I would like to ask you this kind of out of the box question, just to get to know you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. If you had to choose one age to be forever, what age would you choose and why? Wow. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a question. <laughs> that's a question. <laughs> um, wow. That is such an interesting idea. Well, I'm 34. I've never been anything above 34. So I don't know about future ages. But I feel like 27-ish. Hmm. I've really enjoyed my 30s, but I definitely had a lot more energy in my 20s. Slept better at all the things. But I feel like I was in the middle of this, like, um, wow, I just thought of the Britney Spears lyrics. I don't know why. But I felt like I wasn't, like, a kid anymore. And, and I actually kind of grew up quick. I got my first apartment at 18 and all that thing. So that was, like, a decade in and living on my own. But... Um, I just felt like I was in the middle of still not knowing so much, but still willing to learn so much. Mm -hmm. um, and I just really enjoyed learning in that time. Like I'm learning a lot now, but it just feels different to then like just fresh eyes and ears uh, and heart and mind to just like receive the things at 27. And yeah, I just, it, that was a different stage. So I don't know, 27 forever. Plus my kid, I didn't have my kid then. I love him. So I would have said 27 plus my kid, <laughs> but. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. My 20s, I feel like were such a hot mess of, I mean, I know I was learning. I love that. I love that you recognize your learning in that phase of life. Yeah. Now I'm in my 40s. And I, th I think for me, post just some really intensive healing that's happened in my late 30s. Mm -hmm. I think I love the age I'm in right now. I love my life right now and there's plenty that makes it tricky, but in general, but it is weird to think about having to stay the same age forever because I'm like, Oh my. Yeah. Like would your kids just keep growing up or <laughs> does everybody you stay the past same? your age? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's just a <laughs> fun little starter question for us. Um, so Let's dive into who you are, what you are doing to bring God's kingdom to earth right here and now, and how, how people can even just start to understand where they can find you and, and, and learn from you. You are an incredible teacher. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I think this, this past few weeks even have like really clarified and God has solidified what I've, what he's kind of, I guess, been building within me in a more narrow down kind of like a mission of where my heart has been in the past few years and uh, what certain experiences, both good and bad, have led me to feel that I, I feel that I'm wanting to amplify and 
the message and help Christians really be healthy and holy. And when I mean the word healthy, yes, sure, physically, but I'm not doing no fitness classes, right? Like not healthy in that way. And even that word in itself, the fact that we often associate it to physical health is something I want to help us move from, right? Because health is so many things, our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our relational health, financial, there's so many forms of our being healthy. And so what I mean by healthy Christians is that we would be the actual representatives of Christ in the world in a way that he desired and initially wanted us to be. And I think that would be means that we would be healthy, that we would be humble, right? That, that we would repent, that we would shift and change, that we would just show up as safe people and be and create safe places, right? That we would be biblical. All these things is actually what makes a Christian healthy. I think other words is sometimes what we strive for, right? We like strive to be a leader and even people these days like want to be an influence, all this stuff. And it's like, I want to just be healthy and help mm-hmm. other people be healthy Christians because the church and the world need it and it's deeply lacking. And then the other part is holy, obviously, because to be a healthy Christian outside of being holy actually doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like, you know, and some people don't necessarily like this, but it's kind of like doing justice work absent of Jesus. It has its limitations. So <clears throat> healthy and holy is my mission in my heart to really help the church be this church leadership. I worked at a few churches and I see the deep need for it. And so that's where my my heart is and where I feel that the Lord is placing me in his kingdom to help um, his children, to help myself, to help my family, my community be healthy uh, and holy. And that looks a lot of different ways in the things that I do through coaching, through conferences, to teaching, to writing. I was doing retreats for the past few years. And even that, I saw that that's how I was really leading the retreats. And I'm going to stop those for for now for just to be home more with my family and different things like that but um I'm really actually excited I'm excited to be moving in this direction more because God healed a lot and and convicted a lot and moved a lot in the past few years of my life to get me to this very clear place um and so that's what that's looking like this year including like I don't think I said courses just podcasts, just all the different things that I'm doing, leading it with the focus and in mind of helping Christians be healthy and holy. You gave a really nice definition of how you see healthy elevating beyond the physical element. You know, as this podcast comes out, it's the middle of Feb. People have probably set a bunch of health goals And now they're kind of kicking themselves or feeling ashamed, whatever it might be. And it sounds like you really get that it's because as humans, we're so complex and health does reach so many areas of our lives. Would you kind of dive in a little bit the same way with the word holy? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because so in first Second Peter, it talks about being holy, like God is holy. And that is referring from Old Testament scriptures, I believe it's in Exodus and Leviticus, right? So God himself says, be holy like I am holy. And so there's a lot of different scriptures that God is directing us to do things. And sometimes it can feel really complicated. I feel like that one's pretty simple. He's simply inviting us to be like him, right? Mm -hmm. We think about in the garden, obviously a lot, a lot of us probably are in Genesis right now. I am. And I've been thinking about Adam and Eve and the enemy convinced them that they are not like God. Mm. right but we actually already are 
we actually already are. We are not God, but we are like him because we are made in his image. So maybe the the natural way to be holy is not within us so like easily, but it's simply to be like God, right? So it means that we are walking sanctified. It means that we choose forgiveness when it's hard. It means that we um, are in the Bible and not just on Sundays. And we are actually reading scripture uh, beyond someone interpreting it for us. It means that we understand that justice is the heart of God and it is not a, a trend. Uh, we understand that um, every component of our everyday lives is living out theology. Like that is holiness, right? Like to understand that we are to be like Christ and not like anyone else. Um, and sometimes that means not naturally even be like ourselves, to die to ourselves. And that's a whole other conversation, but <laughs> um, but it's really to be like God, to be like how he is, which is holy. Okay. I, I'm like covered in goosebumps. That was so, it was so all encompassing as a follow of Christ, like how I want to be seen in the world or even just this like move from saying, okay, for my, most of my life, I worked in secular environments and I felt like if I only lived that out, like these things that people would see Jesus in me and they'd want to know more about Jesus in me, but that's not exactly how it happened. In fact, there's this other element where you actually have to start talking about Jesus. You have to start talking about God so that people get it where that light comes from or where those moves are coming from that it's an attempt. Well, not an attempt. It's a, an embracing of being made in the image of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, it's our evangelism, right? It's our, and it's our everyday evangelism, which um, even, and that's, I think, also connected to the healthy part of just like understanding our mission here on earth right and it's not all about our dreams and what we want and living comfortable it just isn't really about that that much yeah. and I know that's ideal and that's nice but I think we're gonna get that like in eternity so it's more so just like really embracing what is our mission here and what how does it matter and how we're connecting with people and how we're affecting people and and knowing also that we're planting seeds like we don't have to be like you know I mean maybe you don't live where there's a train but like on the train like preaching repentance in Jesus but like people are listening and people are watching and we can just be doing small little everyday things um in our forms of evangelism yeah I think that's an interesting thing just because I was just in Southern California with my 10 year old and we visited a pier and there was this man evangelizing with his big signs and his PA system. And it was repent, repent, repent. It was this really loud and overwhelming experience. And my daughter had never experienced anything like that. She had, we were in New York city also this fall, but uh, we didn't experience anything quite like that. And she looked at me and I think she saw it, you know, there are Bible verses on the signs. And so it ended up being this really cool conversation about like, yeah, one of our jobs is to tell people about Jesus, but how did that experience make you feel? Mm. And I'm, I'm always curious. Does, has anybody been converted from that? I don't yeah. know. Like, I really <laughs> want to know if that is possible, but it was good because it gave this opportunity to, to have a conversation with my 10 year old about, Hey, we want to tell people about Jesus and we want to do it with a kindness and with our lives and in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I think it's interesting because I used to think I would I'd be like, they're not affected. Like no one's like convert. And I had a conversation once with a friend who was like, well, you never know that person. They could be planting a seed. And I'm like, that's true. That's true. But I think our God's heart, if we just see it like how society, how the world functions, God made things to function effectively. And I think that means that he is effective. <laughs> and so one of the things when it comes to evangelism is that it should be like effective and effective, not based on our opinion because some of us could think that that's effective but based on like what does God say is effective right Mm -hmm. how and I think the perfect example is Jesus and how he came and he showed up and he talked about uh salvation and the kingdom of God and so if we're looking for an effective approach or strategy and we can't find it online go to the gospels oh my gosh I love that what what does God say is effective how how does it what does it look like in Jesus's life Mm -hmm. So when you think about your life leading up to this clarity, however many years back you want to think about, I mean, you were young, leaving home. Uh, You grew up in the biggest city in our country. You are a woman of color in this country. And you are experiencing so many different facets that lead you to this mission of helping Christian, I mean, even just be that being a Christian, right. And in those contexts feels magnanimous to me of just like an, an experience that isn't always seen on our media feeds. Mm -hmm. When you think about your past and getting to where you are, what are some of the ways God has been effective in your life? Hmm. Pursuing me running Mm -hmm. running after me um so I grew up going to church I've been differentiating saying I didn't grow up in the church I think we say that a lot and we need to differentiate did you grow up going to church or did you grow up being discipled things I grew up going to church and and I wouldn't say it was a a lack of my mother she wasn't taught to know how to disciple me she wasn't being discipled but I grew up going to church and that was like a Presbyterian church and then we shifted to a a Pentecostal church, I know, a very big, <laughs> a very big, <laughs> a very big difference. Um, trust me, the first day I was like, "What is happening in this church?" <laughs> yeah, and so, so yeah, it it shifted kind of just like what a lot of theologies, right? That I like, I guess I believed or or was taught to believe in the in Presbyterian to Pentecostal, and then I just completely stopped believing it altogether for about six years from 17 ages 17 to 23 and the other day my it was funny my mom said I was like talking about it she's like well you didn't like fully not believe I was like no no sis 100% thought it was all not true and was just like this is BS I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but like you know it just wasn't you're allowed to say whatever you want in this space (laughs) (laughs) great but like that's what I just that's what I thought but when I look back and trace back on my life and reflect on my life I just see the God's presence and goodness and love pursuing me so like him moving me to go to a Pentecostal church was him pursuing me because that actually is where I got a glimpse of Jesus I didn't know really anything Mm -hmm. about Jesus in the church we were going to when I was a child so like that was him pursuing me so I can at least know him then when I left completely I was looking through all these philosophies and religions and and thought like ways and all this stuff and even in that I would continuously see him not just pursue me but protect me and that's when I when I came back to Jesus at 23 I was like well Jesus is 100% real because even when I denied him 
And when I was not with it at all, he was protecting me in so many ways. I was a young, wild person in my 20s in New York City. <laughs> I was doing crazy stuff. And in all of it, he protected me and continued to show me himself. And it's so interesting because when I, I talk to some friends who knew me even back then, they'll say, they, they'll say that like, I saw Christ in you, even if you weren't pursuing, pursuing him, because you would open up your home all the time. People like your home was for everyone. Like pe there were friends of us who were homeless. They knew they could crash at pre's. Like I always had meals for people, like all these different things that I didn't, to me, it wasn't that I was being Christ. Like I was just like being a friend right but i see it then that like the holy spirit actually did not leave me and so so yeah 23 came back to jesus went all in i just i go in all in all the, in the things right yeah. in life so it's like <laughs> i'm not gonna have anything so if it's in this too i'm gonna go all in um and then yeah i ended up working in churches and never ever thought i would um but just continuously even in those i experienced you know spiritual abuse and different traumatic things in these churches and still in all of it, continuously seeing like God's hand over me, the fact that he just like, he kept me when all of this stuff was going on. He provided community, he provided safe people, he provided healing, he provided resources. And then just recently we started going to a new church and we love it. And it, to uh, for us, it's very healthy and holy. <laughs> and just being able to see the trajectory of all of this is is just like witnessing the kindness of God. I know we talk a lot about the goodness of God and that is good, right? Like God is good and I love it. Uh, and I always, I have this thing to say like, notice God's goodness. Like I'm, I'm with that. But like the past year, I have realized that the kindness of God is a wild thing. Mm. Like I know that grace is crazy, all that stuff, but like the kindness of God, because I think about that scripture in Micah where it says, do justice, loving, loving mercy. Some scriptures say loving kindness and walk humbly with your God. And it's so interesting that it doesn't just say do mercy or do kindness. It says love kindness and love mercy, meaning to love to do it. And that's what I think God, he loves to be kind. And that has just really transformed my life in, in the past 15 years. And so I've just been seeing the trace of his hand when I walked away, when I came back, when I got abused, when I got hurt, when I didn't know what was next, when the pandemic came, when we lost friends, when we had to move, when everyday life things of being a person of color, of being a woman, all this stuff happens. Like it's just seeing his presence, but also seeing his pursuit of me. And you know, I know it's so interesting, you know, there's people just like, oh, we're nothing. We're we're not, we're like we're not worth anything. This is this now. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if he, he would pursue someone that's nothing and something that's not worth anything. And, and I think that's for all of us. Right. And so I've just really been reflecting a lot on that and seeing and noticing his hand in the past 10, 15 years, well, all my life, but like really being able to like place certain moments and be like, look at you, Lord, even just the past year and all last year was a, a you know hot garbage but uh in my life but also like one of the most blessed years of my life like things that I've been dreaming for years and hoping for years when it came to like ministry work came to be and came to pass in ways that I did not strive for it or even work for it um and that's God's kindness I feel oh man you just you said so many beautiful things I really want to lift up this idea that God pursues what he loves and 
and that he, from the very beginning, looked at us and said, you are this incredible gift. Mm-hmm. You are worth my love. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And that's the entire reason Jesus came to live. Yeah. I've, I've really been struggling with the messages that say we're not deserving. We're not worthy. And what I think those messages are, what this is what, as I've been re- like wrestling with it, I think it's more about like the, uh, the intent of the message, but it's all wording, right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that we don't have to earn God pursuing right. us. Right. Yeah. But it comes out like you don't, I don't, when you get told you don't deserve something, it sounds like somebody thinks you aren't good enough for it. But when God made us in his image, Mm. he said right away that we are (laughs) deserving. Like he wanted to be with us. Well, I do want to speak to that because I've been, you know, it's so interesting. I've been, uh, I, I guess before, like last year, I didn't really know like these different extreme of ends, like where there's like this, like worm theology, like people think that they're like, they're nothing <laughs> like yeah. they're like worthless and then there's like people who just like well like I am so deserving of like of like the love of God like because like I'm a good person whatever and all that stuff and I right. think so much of like our opinions of what even what we think of ourselves we just need to go back to the Bible we need to go back to the Bible and what does it say about us right yeah. like yes it says that we sin and we fall short and that we are in need of God it also says that we are beloved it also says that we're remarkably and wonderfully made it also says that when he made humanity he said it was good he also redid humanity and didn't like, right. So it's a matter of like reading all of it in context and understanding that like, obviously, yes, we are not perfect. Obviously we're not God, but to say we're complete trash is to say that God created trash. Right. And that's kind of disrespectful to God. So let's not disrespect God. Yeah. And I, it really is the both and that all of those things are true. None of them are. Yeah. It's just too complicated to have it be like, oh, this is the one way that's Mm -hmm. like fully encompassing that you're bad or trash Mm -hmm. and, or fully saying like, I don't have any repenting to do, or I don't ever mess up. My friend Spencer, who's going to be doing a recurring episode with me said a lot of times we talk about that Jesus's death is like where it's at. But really the resurrection is obviously where it's at. And he said that it's, this is why I love this because it's tied to your healing thing. But he talked about that it's actually the life of Jesus that shows us all about the healing work and that it was the life of Jesus and all of his miracles and all of his healing, that that is where we see the healing and reparation between ourselves and God. And man, that was a really beautiful Mm-hmm. like lens changer for me to say, I think it ties so much to what you just were talking about with this walking out justice, walking out kindness, walking out mercy, living it out. It's about being like Jesus that he lived. And so we get this opportunity to look and say, that's the healing work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. in life on earth as a human that Jesus did so much healing work. And that has purpose because he could have just came down, went to the cross and that's it. <laughs> he could have been on earth for a week. Yeah. But he was on earth for all of this time on purpose. Right. And yeah. he could have also just like done ministry, quote unquote ministry. And, but like nothing could have been required. Like it all had its purpose. And there's a, re- like, we're the reason, like we need to see it and like really be holy like him mm. be like him right like it's you know it's like what would jesus do and it's like how how is jesus being 
like in his being, <laughs> like his mm -hmm. actual being, you know, um, still now, thankfully. You had an Instagram, I haven't been on Instagram very much, but since my sabbatical time, but I popped on once and you had popped up and you were doing a, you were talking about Oh Holy Night and um, what was the line that you really, it was so uh, beautiful. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Yeah. But, and you said something in that writing and I'll, I'll make sure to link it so people can check out that post. Yeah. But you said something like we need to be living out. Yeah, because that the opposite of that has been lived out, right? Like yeah. in his name, oppression has amplified and Ugh. has used. Yes. So to take it's those perfect. words and actually live it out. And and one of the ways is repentance. One of the ways is fighting for justice, right? So so yeah, that verse from that song is not directly from scripture, but it is described in scripture, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in his his name can break oppression. But part of that includes us doing the work here on earth to use his name to break oppression. Yeah. Okay. The series is about amplifying voices and you've already used that word a couple of times. I feel like you and I have really similar hearts to that. And, and in fact, you are the inspiration behind this series <laughs> because I got to see Pre on stage while well, I was virtually attending the She Speaks conference and I had just kind of had this moment with God from the speaker before her that was talking, that was sort of like, every person matters. Like sometimes God will ask us to do these weird things and we don't really get it. But if we're obedient, sometimes we get this revelation that God is in it for one person. And it's even so spectacular if it's like someone who we're, close to and tied to, and we get to see that. And I think of so many stories of Jesus where he is, the healing is for one person, but the witness is experienced by an entire family or an entire community. And I, and it's so powerful. So anyway, pre gave this incredible message. I was so moved. I have a million notes on it. And then she prayed and I, honestly don't even know what she prayed, but in that prayer, I felt this like push that she was saying basically that exact thing that every single human being matters to God. Yeah. And it like every person matters, like in a singular sense. So not just as like this humanity, large group sense, but in a singular pursuing, which is kind of what you've talked about this idea of God pursuing you. And I get that. That's my story too. And then I think that's every follower, everyone who has this relationship with Jesus, that's probably their experience, mm -hmm. whether they've reflected on it and know it or not, it's likely their experience. And it feels like a lot of your ministry is designed to on a, I mean, you're doing things that are big, but they're designed to make people feel seen and heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even be given places to use their voices, mm -hmm. your podcast, your podcast is changing up your name at least, but some of the things are going to stay the same. Do you want to tell a little bit about your podcast work? Yeah. So it is changing. I guess I would say it here, maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have already announced it, but it's okay. going to be called Be Being a Sanctuary. 
and it used to be called yes and amen yes like y-a-s and i still love that name <laughs> i'll probably use it for other things but i wanted more than anything the heart of the podcast has always been to teach the body of christ how to be really a sanctuary right like in a sanctuary is in the sense in the world a place of refuge a safe place um, a place that is protected from evil and from things that may harm people I think the Bible says that God is that for us. Mm -hmm. And again, be like me, right? That's what he says, be like me. So if he's saying be like me, then we are too to be sanctuaries. And I think that the church collectively has lost a little bit of that in regards to being a safe place, not just for people from being like harmed or abused in the church, definitely that, but also like being a safe place for people to be seen and represented. White culture is still the majority in most American churches. And so we are not being a safe place if I, as a woman of color, don't feel that this place is for me, (laughs) right? Then then, then it's not safe, then it's not a refuge, then I'm not being protected from the outside. And so that's what it's going to really encompass and, and, and include and Kind of just like as I've been doing for the past few years, touching on different topics within the church and culture and the Bible. Uh, so I'll teach some episodes and then um, have some people as guests. Um, and then I'll still have Selah meditation. So I also have meditations on the podcast, which are usually short 10, 15 minute meditations. Um, and that's actually one of my favorite things to do because it's one of the most Holy Spirit filled things I do because mm-hmm. I don't create a script. I don't really, I don't do much for those episodes. I just show up, I pray. And I said, Lord move. And I'll say some things, but it's not anything that I've like pre necessarily prepared. And I think the church also really struggles to be still and to meditate, which is, which is why I included meditations in the first place in my podcast. Cause it was something I was doing a lot, like on social media and in events I would do. And people would be like, I just, I, I don't, I still really struggle with this or I don't know how to do this. And so I wanted to create just something to guide people. Cause people sometimes, yeah, just still struggle to either be still or just, just sit in the word for a few minutes without like rushing to like go to a commentary or something. So I'm really excited and grateful for that. And, and that's what, and that like a lot of other things is for that, for people to see that they are seen and heard, um, but also that they have the power to help other people's people know that too. Um, mm-hmm. Because if we were to just live this world being seen and heard, and we don't do that for others, other people, then what, what's, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose? Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it makes it all about us, but God sees us and hear, hears us. And he wants us to, for other people to know that they also can experience that in safe places and places that are restorative and redemptive and healthy and holy. Um, and so I think that if, if the church, yeah, shifted. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about a Sunday building, right? I'm talking about every single Christian, every single person that proclaims that Jesus is Lord, that is who I mean. So the Christian who maybe isn't at a church yet right now, uh, a, an organized community, the Christian that lives a, a mile away from their neighbor, because like that's their, like, you're right. The Christian that lives in a very progressive city, whatever it may look like, like this is the call for everybody. And I think we've, we've divided our call and we've made our, our, our faith to be tribalism. And, and what is my church? What is my church's mission? What is my church's value? What is my that's not it (laughs) that just isn't it you can align to it you can believe it and support it but that that feels a little cultish you know like it's just a little bit like we're meant to be focused on the mission of God and that is one unified mission God is not um, a divider and he does not promote division so 
yeah, that's kind of where I'm at in regards to just like wanting to continue that through the platform of a podcast, but also through different things that I do like the Sower Summit. Yeah. Tell me, tell us more about that real quick. I want to ask this though, because I feel like you're, I feel like that message is so timely for this crazy year that we're going to be dealing with political. Oh yeah, we're here. It's after 24. Forgot that. (laughs) But I, this idea, like the call to be unified and our calling in Christ is really to be for Christ, teaching people about Christ. Um, living that life that you're talking about. And that has nothing to do with politics, mm-hmm. but we are going to watch Christian. Well, we're going to watch groups that claim Christianity pledge allegiance to candidates. Yeah. What, what, I guess. Yeah. What do we do with that? Yeah. What are your Review thoughts no, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is just a little question for you. You can pass. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh I think I think we forget the authority and power we have, right? The Bible says that we have authority under Christ. And the word authority has been used in power and oppressive ways throughout history. So don't forget that version of authority. You're like, right? Like what does authority actually mean when it comes to like God communicating that it is something um to use humbly? Um it, it comes with wisdom. Uh, and it cares about the decision-making around it means that we care about other people. But I think we need to acknowledge like the authority that we have in our own spaces. So whether that means our home, our church, our friendships, if we have a platform online, if we have a podcast, whatever it is that our our authority is reaching people, we will never know. So Mm -hmm. we need to be mindful of what we say. Um, I was just, there was a pastor who did something very interesting. I'm going to use that word, New Year's Eve. And a lot of people are being very reactive. Mm. I say authority is being responsive. Mm. To acknowledge that we have the authority of Christ, God was responsive, not reactive. So all these like reaction videos and reaction blogs and all this crap is not Christ-like. It is not the approach of Christ. Um, I love how one of my friends says that like something when tragedy happens, she's not just reactive to like talk about it. So even us as Christians, like being wise to understand what's going on and really be listening and watching because most of us do not know a lot about politics. I'm going to just, yeah, like, let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> let's just be honest. And so when we then, and then, and so that's why authority comes with wisdom. Yeah. Because if you don't have all the information, it's okay to be quiet. It's okay to stand back. That also is authority. So yeah. I think we need to really walk in this year with the authority of understanding who Christ is, what he has called us to, and that we can be unified even if we disagree. But that does not mean that we disrespect or we dehumanize. Mm-hmm. I can disagree with people does not mean, and you can disagree with me, does not mean we dehumanize and we disrespect because that is not Christ-like, right? So again, be like him, be like me. What is he saying to be like? Um, and that's one of the examples, right? That he was around people that that thought differently than him, but he didn't disrespect them. He could have disrespected the Pharisees so bad all the time. He could have said crazy things to them when they disagree with him. And he didn't, he mm-hmm. didn't. He, he made told them, them stories. <laughs> yeah, he told them stories. He made them think. Sometimes he even just said nothing. <laughs> that would piss That's them silent. off. You know, like, I appreciate. Just, just listen to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the reminder that silence sometimes is the greatest authority. 
stillness can be the greatest authority. It's, you know, in thinking about this from a trauma-informed lens and just thinking like, why do we get reactive? Because we have things that we haven't processed well, or, you know, so doing our own work, doing our health work um, around our psych psychological health and our mental wellness and our spiritual wellness. And so making sure we're doing that work as we head into the next eight, 10 months, how many months, 10 months ahead of us yeah. where it's going to be, it's going to be so easy to get triggered and reactive mm -hmm. to no matter what side or what, what perspective you hold. And really just remembering that we can, mm -hmm. we have, a, I love that we have authority yep. to stay you quiet wisely and well, a lot yeah. of people have used it badly, <laughs> right? So use it wisely and well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay, so Silver Summit, take us there. <laughs> what, yeah. what is that? Uh, uh, it sounds Summit, so cool. Yeah, came from a place of wanting. I've been to so many Christian conferences. I've enjoyed so many of them. I've learned so much from so many, so many of them. Uh, what I would find lacking was a few things, though. I would find lacking is moments of like just sitting with what we were learning. It was just like session, session, session. All right, let's keep going kind of thing. And it was never kind of just like, a time and I know that you know they they probably expect people to do that when they go home but most people just don't and that's just the reality like you know let's let's live in reality and not like what we hope things to be like so that was one thing I found like lacking um that lack of diversity and and diversity yes racially in like the speakers and all that stuff but also in gender and in, in disability in age in relationship status it was always just like married everyone was married everyone for the most part was why a lot of like men, maybe few in there, women and yeah, just, and no one probably with like a visible, at least disability. And so it just, it felt very like not the church and not heaven <laughs> in America yeah. and even worship, you know, like CCM is not the only way people worship. Like there's gospel, there's Spanish, there's other languages, there's other uh, forms of expressing uh, worship to the Lord. So I saw kind of like a lack in that. And then most conferences, I would say 90% of the Christian conferences happen in the South. And that's not where all Christians are. Like there are, yeah. there's other, there's 50 States, right? Yeah. So up like, yeah, even Northeast, they barely happen. So I'm from New York and I wanted one in my city. And so, yeah, I just felt the Lord was like calling me to create that intentional space and also to just shift from Christian culture. Like we didn't have a green room. We had a green-ish room, right? We're like, the speakers and the volunteer, everybody was in the same space, right? Even women who were like, who uh -huh. were uh, breastfeeding, that they could put their milk in the fridge. And like, you know, it just, we weren't creating this hierarchy of Christian spaces that you see. And it just was like, everyone is like welcome and everything was intentional. We had, um, after every sermon, we had moments of pause so people to, can reflect. We also had individually, and then we also had moments for people sitting around other people to reflect and connect. And maybe that was the introvert's nightmare, but we initiated the questions. We tried our best to not make it awkward. And then, yeah, we had Spanish, English, and Korean in worship. We had different kinds of worship. We had different kinds of speakers talking about different kinds of things and it was just really beautiful and really powerful to just witness those kinds of this that this can exist and that we can and sometimes we, we we're so like we need to sanctify ourselves from the world but sometimes we have to sanctify ourselves from christian culture yes so our summit is is so our summit is to like not say we're like doing everything opposite like obviously we had worship and sermons what traditionally you see in these conferences but even sanctifying ourselves of what is the norm in these 
um, Christian conferences. There was no VIP section, things like that. You know, people could literally walk up to the speakers that were there and there was no rope kind of thing. So that's, that's what Solar Summit is. And I hope to, yeah, keep doing it every year. We're going to do it this year, September 26th to 28th here in New York. And this year is for men and women. So I'm excited yes. last for women. And I felt a tug in my heart. I just, I'm really burdened and heartbroken on the, on how men are just not discipled. Christian men are not discipled and served in the church. And they're also expected to be the leaders of churches and in their homes. Um, so it doesn't make sense. The math is not mathing for me. So even though I'm not a man and I, you know, I'm not necessarily discipling men. I wanted to create a space where men can be as well. So yeah, men, men and women are invited. I mean, and I'm excited. That sounds so amazing. Thank you. Yes. I just love you even more now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was really inspired as she speaks because I was so hesitant to go. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Um, because that was probably the first conference I had gone in like a while. And I was like, oh, yeah. I just like had so many assumptions and God just like broke down. He was just like, mm-hmm. broke down those assumptions and just like, yeah, showed me like that. It just, it's not like this in all these spaces that I expect or look like. And it was just really beautiful. It was, it was nice to be proven wrong. We need to like be willing, willing to be proven wrong by God in like a restorative way sometimes. So that was really good. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Um, well, I guess in relation to what we're talking about with the politics, my book, I guess, is coming out in a pretty timely way. We were very intentional. We didn't want it to come out October or November because of the craziness of the election. So it's coming out in September, September 10th. So I can't say the title yet, but find me y'all on Instagram and all the links on all the places and you'll find out. Um, but I'm, I touch on unity and and division a, a little bit and, and signs and, and stances in a, in a few chapters because it's, I have... Yeah, just a deep heart for that topic. And I feel like God does too. And part of being a sanctuary is understanding that well and living that out well. So, so yeah, get my book. Oh, sounds so good. Thank you. And so my last p- thing is just a spiritual practice that I'm building in. I'll do a different one each series. For this one, it's called A God Hunt. Mm-hmm. And it came from the book, Making Sunday Special by Karen Burton Maine. And basically it's like looking for a moment in your day and your week that you've seen God at work and saying that to your friends or your family or whoever you're hanging out with at the time. So on this podcast, that's what I'm asking for everybody to kind of think about and share one moment from your recent last, I guess, recent past that, you know, God was working and tell us a little bit about it and how it transformed you or is transforming you. Yes. I love that so much. It's kind of like my, the notice God's goodness um, yeah. idea that I have that I just like have been consistently with in the past few years. Yeah. I would say is just last week. So I spent New Year's Eve actually by myself. My husband ended up having to go to work. My son obviously was sleeping cause he's a baby. Um, and, um, I just, I, I usually in those moments, like get a glass of wine and like read a book. And I just felt the presence like of God saying like, Hey, I'd, I'd really like to like spend time with you. Mm-hmm. And I know that he can spend time with us in all these different kinds of ways, but it was like this invitation. Cause I think of the word hunt. I was just like, it can also just be like an invitation to be like, yeah. Hey, like choose something different. And so I just spent, I went into my new year and it's not to sound super Christian. I'm telling you, I usually will watch a movie and drink wine. And I just, I was worshiping and doing Bible study entering the new year. And I feel like that was me just responding to his pursuit of me all these years, especially because yeah, the past two years have, has been like me, honestly, like 
disregarding some things when it comes to him. So I feel like that's a little wink and a little glimpse of that. Oh, pre, that's amazing. Just, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. of just like, oh, things can feel kind of Christian or whatever, but that's kind of the thing, right? That God is pursuing us and wants to hang with us. Mm-hmm. And that can look all kinds of ways, but yeah, just chilling with him on New Year's Eve. Sounds yeah. And cool. it's like, you know, I didn't have to tell anybody or anything like that, but it was just like, yeah, it was a gift. And it was a, a reminder that like that turned out better than watching something on Netflix and drinking wine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so happy that I got to spend this time with you and thank you for blessing our listeners with your wisdom, your grace, your kindness. And I'm so excited for them to go follow you and just keep learning more. I can't wait for your book. Yay, Maybe you can come you back so on. Much, and thank you for having me. This was yeah. awesome. Okay. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, Eddie. Bye, Bree. Okay. Wasn't that just amazing? Um, thank you again, Pri, for answering questions that I did not prep you for and for being authentic in your many pursuits. I feel really, I feel really grateful that you said yes to talking on the pod. So thank you. Also, you guys, I love how the messages in the podcast minister to me, even in the editing process. My transformational treasure for you today is the reminder that our authority can be found in silence and stillness and treating others with dignity, especially when we disagree with them in the midst of a landscape that feels convoluted with violence and degradation. Let's be a Jesus-informed church creating sanctuaries, and responding to people with love. 8,000 Promises podcast is produced and published by me, A.D. Tilford. Thank you to my family for letting me pursue this dream for a little while instead of working a typical 7 to 3 teaching gig. May awesome things happen for you in this hard and holy day. Talk to you next week. Reverent Rhythm's professional touring dance company will be premiering their newest production, Little Red, on March 8th and 9th in Grand Junction, Colorado. Through artistic expression, athletic feats, and passionate character portrayal, this production sheds light on human trafficking through a family-friendly, non-traditional telling of Little Red Riding Hood. This production will have you on the edge of your seat as you watch Little Red's story unfold on stage. Learn more at reverentrhythms.com.